0: Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics magazine on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Ravel.
1: Thanks for joining us once again on Inside Speedway. Dennis Newland working hard on the latest edition of Speedway Classics magazine. He'll be joining us in, uh, well, probably by the beginning of October. We're hoping to have Dennis back when the uh, magazine hits the stands. But what a show tonight. Uh, a real hero of most people who follow Speedway across Australia. Jim Airy joins us to talk about his life and times and some fantastic stories in there as well. So really looking forward to hearing from Jim Airy. But first, the Speedway. Well, perfect time for Jim Airy to be on when we kicked off the Speedway Grand Prix season of 2020 and two weekends at Broslow in Poland, Artem Laguta winning on the Friday night, taking the maximum 20 points. Madzak Unoski coming home in second, of course, a Polish rider who is from the Broslas area, so he was able to uh, really make the fans happy. And, in fact, when we talk about Saturday, ecstatic. Fast Freddy Lindgren was third. Fourth, Ty Wuffenden and Leon Madsen rounded out the five, but it was Wuffenden who was the last of the runners in the final. Laguta getting off, getting his first ever Speedway Grand Prix win, and that was a fantastic result for him. Then we have Magic Unoski on Saturday, as I mentioned. He brought the house down literally when they saw him take the victory in the final. Ty Wolfenham backed up two good nights with a second place. The defending world champion, another pole. Bartos Smarsly finished in third. Fast Freddy back in fourth. He was the final runner in that final. Now Arnam Laguta finished in fifth. Niels Christian Everson and Max Frick, sixth and seventh. Frick coming back from a horrible. Friday night, where he was racing on his home track in Poland, finished 15th out of 16 and just got the two points for his trouble. So Max was very happy to turn things around. Look, I've got a piece of audio from Magic Yunoski, and if you speak Polish, you'll enjoy this. Niesamowite
2: emocje przez, przez dwa dni, wymarzony weekend. Eee, no, niesamowite. Tutaj na tym że dorastałem i...
1: Well, I'll, I'll cut that short there because uh, I don't know what he's saying either. But after the break here on Inside Speedway, it is the captain of the kangaroos, Jim Airy.
0: Inside Speedway is available on sportsradio.com.au, iTunes, Spotify, and the dirt track
1: Well, joining us on Inside Speedway, it is uh, Jim Airy. I, as a kid, knew him as Captain Kangaroo, but that's probably because I uh, just kept getting the idea of Captain of the Kangaroos being uh, a little bit mixed up as a youngster. But, Jim, welcome to Inside Speedway. Hi, Craig. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And uh, hi to all your Inside Speedway fans, young and old. Mm. Where did your interest in motorcycles and then motorcycle racing come from?
2: From a very young age, actually. Um, I started with the Skid Kids at the old Humble and Oval, where I met Gordon Gasper. And um, we were only young kids, and we used to go to the speedway at the Sydney Showground Royal, catch the steam train in, and walk across the Park parks and go into the speedway and come home, and that's where we our interest started, with uh, the Skid Kids and going to the Sydney Showground, where... Bill Bryden and Lionel uh, Levy, uh, Mary Clohesy, um, all them guys were our our favourites down there. And, uh, Bill Bingham on the sidecar Jack Fisica, your grandfather Ray Ravel, and Andy McGavin in the speedcast. and we used to really enjoy that hang over the fence watching the speedway.
1: You and Gordon had uh, a life a lifelong friendship. Really, uh, unfortunately, he lost his life at Liverpool in 1970, but. Uh, Gee, you did some stuff together, didn't you?
2: We sure did. We sure did. We joined Fairfield Motorbike Club together, and uh, we were called the Terrible Twins, and we saw based all around New South Wales at Young and Musselbrook, Head uh, and Breda, um, Goldburn, all in places on Short Circuit, uh, Moorbank, Scrambles, Baptist every year at Easter, in Park, and. Um, We won an Australian championship each at Victor Harbour in about 1970, I think, I believe, or 1969. And we decided then we were going to go and ride Speedway.
1: What was it about Speedway that, uh, when you're doing all that other riding, what was it about Speedway that just drew your attention and and made you love it so much?
2: Uh, I I think, honestly, because it was so close um, uh, and just drew us to it. Um, uh, the other the other sports were terrific. Uh, Speedway for us was a sort of a, possibly a profession in the future, and uh, uh, Gordon and I really wanted to ride Speedway.
1: You were known as the King of the Royal, and uh, obviously the Sydney Showground Speedway was the 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 pinnacle of racing in New South Wales and for the most part around Australia. What was that track like to be uh, racing on?
2: Craig, that was a fantastic arena and circuit. The way that um, Empire Speedway's John Shield, in particular, ran that show was absolutely fabulous. The way they, uh, the lights were on around the track uh, and the rest of it was in darkness and the lights would come on and the, the first race were ready to kick off with people in white overalls pushing the bikes for the first, first start and the music was playing. It was just phenomenal.
1: You a dominating racing in Australia. How did the opportunity come to go over to England?
0: Uh, that
2: was in 1964. Uh, Bob Sharp um, helped Gordon and I get a contract with Mike Parker uh, to race for Sunderland. And um, after talking to some uh, people, Mike Godbanks and Ken McKinlay, they told us to uh, pack, our, pack our bags and get over there and take everything we've got, um, dikes, leathers, gloves, tools, everything we got. And so we, we got over there, we worked, didn't have unfamiliar equipment, which was very, very good advice. So we went on a two-year contract with Mike Parker.
1: And you went over there by boat. That's, you know, a long time in those days to be travelling around the world. That's the only way you can get there then, days, um,
2: And uh, especially with our
1: bikes and big, long crates
2: and wooden crates, but uh, Gordon and I, we never drank, we never smoked, and we took skipping ropes and we were skipping every day to try and keep fit and organised and um, and, and see the world, which in days was very far apart, not like today. Um, totally different. It was like going to another planet.
1: When you're racing for Sunderland, the Sunderland Saints, uh, that club was up in the north of England, that's quite a difference to uh, living in Sydney up there in the north? It, it was. The cold, the rain, um, that was a bit hard to take because we stayed a winter as
2: well. And Gordon got a job sign at the local council, and I got a job in the motorbike shop as, as a mechanic. And um, I remember Gordon coming home one night on the push bike from work, and he had a little goatee beard that stayed and mustache, and it was covered in snow.
1: <laughs> it was so funny, but gee, it was cold. That winter was terribly, terribly cold. Made it very homesick, actually. <laughs> what was the racing like compared to what you were racing in Australia? Was the standard much higher? Uh, especially with the top riders, it was, was like we were in the provincial league,
2: um, the Ivan Major was in that as well at that stage, um, which was the, the lower of the leagues. Um, but it was very, very competitive. Uh, and you rode for a team. It was like riding for Parramatta. Uh, you rode for a team and you rode home and away, and then it was a, a season point score for the team. So we got in the team and we started off as reserves, of course, and gradually worked our way into the team and become heat leaders, uh, which took, it took, it took a year. And to get into that uh, section of Wolverhampton team, because we moved to Wolverhampton after about a month when Sunderland closed through lack of um, support from the, from the people.
1: Wolverhampton has got a a fantastic tradition of speedway, but you had two years on and then back in Australia for 60, what was it, 1966, 67 season, and then back, or was it from 65 to 67 and then back to Wolverhampton? Uh, yeah, we come back in 65 and they finished around 65 and 66.
2: I didn't go back in 66 because my dad died. and. Um, I had family commitments with my mother and, uh, and my dad was sick for quite a while there. So I didn't go back in 66. Uh, I went back in 67 after I got married to my wife Rhonda and we rode to Wolverhampton for the next two years.
1: What were you doing for work? Were you a professional speedway rider? Because I can't imagine it was paying that much money back in those days.
2: Over there we were full-time on because you rode sort of five, six nights a week. Um, and sometimes the egg class go in the top of Scotland and down at Exeter in the bottom of bottom of uh, England. So we were doing a lot of travelling. Gordon and, and I drove travelled together a lot um, until he got married. And um, we were in a little uh, Morris Minor van with two bikes in the back, our leathers and our spare wheel. We didn't have extra bikes then days; only had one bike and um, one spare wheel. And uh, we done a lot, a lot of miles together you know, travelling in that little Morris Minor thousand van.
1: What was going to Europe like and, and racing in Poland and, and the USSR, which was both the Poland and the USSR in those days were behind the Iron Curtain? Yeah, well,
2: that came a bit later in, in life when I was sort of riding for Sheffield. And um, to get in the World Final M days, which was always our to way be, to be in a World Final, and to go there, you had to go through qualifying rounds in England base in the British final, then go to a continental final somewhere either in England or overseas, then go to a European final, which was usually overseas, uh, like Russia or Poland or Czechoslovakia, and then to a world final, which could be back at Wembley or it could be at the Levy Stadium in Gothenburg or in uh, in Poland. Uh, It was very, very big, but very, very hard to get into the world final. It's harder to get into it than actually win it.
1: What has fascinated me was the fact that you won the Speedway World Team Cup, but you weren't wearing the kangaroo. You were riding for Great Britain, and most of the team didn't involve many uh, people from England, Scotland, and Wales. No. Um,
2: the FIM ruled that uh, they, they picked the team, and, um, and England promoters picked the team. And, um it was uh, Ivan Major, Barry Briggs, and Ronnie Moore, all from New Zealand, myself from Australia, and Ray Wilson, um, an Englishman, was our reserve. And they wouldn't let us call ourselves, well, they didn't name the team, it was a Great Britain team, because they, they couldn't feel an English team, they couldn't feel an Australian team, and they couldn't feel a New Zealand team. So they said, well, it's going to be a, a Great Britain side that goes to uh, which where the last Green Prix was, actually. <laughs> but... In 1971. It wasn't the, the stadium it is today, um, and we got sent to uh, to Rocklaw as Great Britain, and we had to wear the Union Jack. Who did you defeat in we, the final? Uh, well, there was a whole heap of uh, people in there. There was um, Denmark, Russia. Um, I think Czechoslovakia, might well, have Poland, uh, and of course Sweden and. Um, So there was about six teams in it, I
1: think, eight teams maybe. Mm -hmm. You come back to Australia where you start dominating the Australian Championship then, 68, 69, 70 and 72. You could almost ask what happened in 71, but uh, four Australian Championships, five New South Wales Championships and then state championships in Queensland, Victoria, Mm -hmm. to win the Northern Riders Championship in England. How did that come about?
2: Uh, Well, because um, it's... they had a, a Midland Riders Championship and the Northern Riders Championship, and the Northern Riders Championship was all the people involved in uh, the teams in the north, like Bellevue, Sheffield, um, Glasgow, Edinburgh, uh, um, Middlesbrough, whoever, what those teams were in the north of England uh, was the Northern Riders Championship, It was held at Sheffield.
1: You've had a, such an amazing career. What was the camaraderie like across all the different nationalities who were making their way to England and then racing on the world stage? It was terrific. It was terrific. Ivan and I – well, I met Ivan when I first went over in 64. He helped us uncreate our, our, our
2: bikes out in the provinces. Uh, we could lived across the road from Ivan. I used to babysit his kids and, um, with Gordon and um, – no, we used to travel together, Ivan and I and quite a other Black School Darwin and a lot of people who lived just around in that area in Manchester who all rode from White Parker. Uh, we often used to travel together and, and stuff, but uh, the camaraderie was good. We uh, were very much competitive against each other, of course. But um, Even when I became test team captain at, against England, Nigel Boocock, who was a great friend and a great competitor, We had some great races, Nigel and I were great friends. In fact, I had an accident at Newport one night on the Friday night, and uh, I think it was the Prince of Wales Championship. And um, my bike got bent, and I was riding at Coventry the next night. And and Nigel said, look, lad, he says, "Um, come back to my place and stay the night, and you'll have a look at your bike in the morning, and then you'll be there at Coventry so you don't have to go all the way back to Sheffield. So we went back home and he took me and his daughter out of bed, playing with, with uh, him and Cynthia. And I sat in the bed in the morning. Cynthia made me a few breakfast. And I said, John, let's go out and have a look at your bike. And he had a frame straight and he straightened the frame and lent me his new back wheel with a brand new tyre on it. And because um, my back wheel got bent. And uh, we went to the Coventry versus Sheffield, and he was captain number one for Coventry. I was number one for Sheffield. And we're in the first race. And we had a ding-dong race, which I happened to win, and broke his track record. Going down the back straight, he put his hand up and grabbed mine and said, well done, lad." And to
1: me, that was just absolutely a memory I'll never, ever forget. You did captain the Australian team all around the world. What was the responsibility? I know Greg Kentwell talked about his time, saying he had a wild time. It was a fantastic experience. Um got up to a bit of trouble as uh, all young fellas in England do. But then he said for Jim it was a bit different because he was the captain of the country. Is that a fair assessment that you had to look at your time as captain differently or you did look at the way you held yourself and, and carried on was different to the other boys? Probably great. I was um, lucky
2: enough to be captain 29 times. But when I was first named captain in made me apple down, work harder. Um, try harder, uh, try and create an image for the Australian side and uh, I really enjoyed on the um, tactics. We had great riders. We had some great riders. Like Greg's one of them. He, he had 18 point maximum. Johnny Lantill had 18 point maximums. Uh, Johnny Bolger, um, Jack White from Queensland. We had some good riders in our, in our team uh, both here and overseas and uh, to be captain of Australia was a tremendous thing for me and I think it actually helped my career because it made me really work harder and try harder um, to promote the sport and, and be as good as I could possibly be.
1: You raced on so many different tracks, but here in Australia, I think you started your racing at Cumberland Oval, which, of course, everyone who follows rugby league knew Cumberland Oval as the home of the uh, Parramatta Eels. Uh, no, I started
2: the speed kids at Cumberland Oval. I have actually started at um, Speedway at Westmead after Gordon I won of those championships in Victor Harbour in Adelaide, uh, a, a fellow lent me a white Jack, J. a cream old bike. And um, I went to Westminster Speedway from the first meeting on the speedway. Uh, and I got my licence, of course. And that, Freddie Bush and Bruce Croxon, uh, to name a few, um, really helped me out and gave me, put me on the right track. And Bruce Gardner from Windsor. Um, then I had that white chap for a couple of meetings to to, um, to ride out Westmead uh, in probably early sixties I suppose early nineteen sixty. Um, and then I bought a, a bike lesson. I an old bike, real old bike, um Kenny Matt for three pounds. And I put my three fifty BSA short circuit engine in it. And I rode that for the season at Westmead. And then I made a reserve at the Sydney Showground only if. Something happened and someone didn't turn up. And one night, Pat then got sick and with the flu and couldn't ride. So John Sherwood said, okay, Jim, you'll have a ride. But as John was, he always picked sort of safe riders and that because um, safety was important to John Sherwood. So I had my first ride on the 350 BSA, then it was in the showground and I was never off the program after that.
1: <laughs> you also had a hand in getting Test Match Racing back in Australia and particularly at the showground?
2: Before I went back to England in 67, I had a good talk with John Sherwood and Frank Arthur and asked them about re- revitalising the test matches like the old days of Rick Duggan and Lionel Van Prague and long Levy and all them backs. And he um, said, so, oh, that'd be too expensive. I thought, well, what if you brought them out and went from one state to the other state and then send them home? Anyway, uh, halfway through the year, John Sherwood said, yes, they were, they were bringing out the test team. And he's like... Like the, me to come home uh, for that
1: for the season, which I did. And who did you suggest he bring back from Europe with you to uh, race against? Oh no,
2: England! It, uh, um, it was always going to be it was always going to be the old foe, England and Australia. You know, it, um, it wouldn't have worked any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we did have some good test matches later on against Sweden and uh, out in Australia, very good test matches.
1: You raced in America as well. Can you talk about what that was like? That was that was another another thing altogether. Actually, Costa Mesa was only what 190
2: meters around, 200 meters around, and it was a totally different um, kettle of fish. Uh, I had a, a fellow there who loaned me a bike, a sponsor, and um, Ivan and Barry Briggs took me over there with a, a group of riders to ride against the American riders, and it was tremendous. They had 22 inch back wheels there. Um, which were illegal in England uh, and Australia, but they were uh, legal in America. And they're the old Leaperhead tyres, which is what the old, old bikes had, in, you know, the Van Prague's days were 22-inch back was, And they really suited my style because a 22-inch wheel against the 19-inch wheel had a lot more grip and really suited me down to the ground. And I really had a couple of really good seasons in America.
1: What was racing like on their surfaces? Was it significantly different to what you had in England and Australia? Costa Mesa was, the little track at Costa Mesa, because uh, that was um, uh,
2: virtually Ivan sort of designed that little track and sort of stuff with the same sort of shale and all that sort of thing. Uh, Bakersfield was a little track around the showground. Um, we also raced at Ascot, which was a big half-mile um, long track, and um, that was very, very slick because it was clay, and they, they couldn't order it because if they water it, would be just too much grip. So that was very simple, wore tyres out real quick. And then we also raced on the quarter-mile track at Ascot, which is the little midget car track, and it was uh, really clunky. We had to put cardboard down a us uh, for getting hit with a little rock saw coming up and stuff. It was really, really painful. <laughs> but uh, that was a great
1: experience, riding, you know, Ascot was a very famous um, circuit then, days. You have also had a dalliance with four wheels, but it never really kicked on.
2: No, at one stage of the game there, I was pretty keen. Um, I was very good friends with Jeff Freeman and Johnny Harvey, to name a couple. And as I said, I used to go after the uh, meeting, the solo side of it, I would get a shower and go up and sit with my mother and father and and, and watch the speed cars because I loved watching the speed cars with your grandfather and... And later on Gabby Rush and his dad and, uh, you know, all the blokes, uh, Bob Patterson and all them blokes that come out. So I used to be very interesting. And Don McKay, of course, Jeff Freeman and, and Johnny Harvey, become very friendly, he used to come up and ask me what I thought of the track and I could tell him if it was going to be grippy or, or slick after the first couple of rides. Um, Don McKay asked me if I like to drive the office for it. And he uh, didn't go the So he took me out to St Mary's. We had a couple of friends and um, I, I drove quite a lot of laps around this little track, out some areas, and um, it was really great was to drive it off and house around there. Blue Marshall come out and give me a few points and tips on it. And then uh, one night, Blue Marshall didn't get the freeway in time for the warm up, and I McLaughlin was, was like, "Go out and warm it up for us." And <laughs> would I what? <laughs> so I went out and warmed it up for him on the warm up laps um, that they used to do before they did races. But that's as far as it all went, because I wanted to
1: go back to England and um, and make the world final. You did do that in the USSR?
2: Yes, we did, yeah, um, uh, we made the world final in Yulevi uh, in Sweden, um, uh, that was in uh, oh, 1970, 70, 70, 1971, Yulevi uh, at uh, Stockholm. No, Gothenburg, I mean, not Stockholm, Gothenburg. Um, but we had to go through the Continental final and then European final in uh, in Russia, in uh, Veningrad, in days, and of course in Petersburg, which was pretty hard because it was a concrete starting gate there and um, really hard to get, get any grip.
1: Was that the only place that had a, a weird sort of start like that where you – Weren't on the shale to start, and you weren't. I guess you don't dig into the track if it's concrete. No,
2: you don't. You just spin off it.
1: A a lot of tracks
2: used to have concrete starting grids, but that's the only one I've ever raced on, the only one
1: I've ever seen. You had the opportunity to do, and it was a, a unique opportunity for two reasons. You did the final lap or lap of honour at the Sydney Showground in Moore Park. And you also, with Ivor Major, did a uh, honorary lap opening the Sydney Showground at uh, the Olympic Park over in Western Sydney.
2: We did, we did. Um, That that actually one of the very humbling experiences of my life was um, they got me to ride around the track at the last meeting at the Sydney Showground, and I had no collar, tie, and jacket on, and uh, Mick pulled over his bike and. um, it was unbelievable to go around there and the people all standing up and cheering. It was, it was an unbelievable feeling. It really was very humbling. I didn't, didn't even expect that. I didn't even expect to ride around the track. And, um, it was really, really a lovely thing to, because I, when I retired on the night of the New South Wales Championship, it was just like a, a final night. And, um, and that was the end of my, my, Speedway bakery And uh, for that, to go back there and have that, that happen to me was really, really lovely.
1: What did you do with yourself when you weren't racing after you retired? What uh, vocation did you take up?
2: Um, well, I, I retired too early. Um, I know that, but I don't really have any regrets because I had uh, family and other commitments um, to look after. And um, I'd had a, a great time, a great career. Um, dedicated virtually my life up till then uh, to racing motorcycles. My wife had given up a lot of time. I we decided to have a family, and a son was born in '73. And we went to that New South Wales Championship in '73, and no one knew, even my wife, my mother, nobody knew that I was going to retire that night in the sort of draw. Lucky enough, I was to, to win it, and go out with a New South Wales Championship. But um, well, with family commitments and business commitments, I, I opened a motorbike shop, bought a, a little motorbike shop, and um, it, it kept me very, very busy um, and a lot, of, a lot of fun. In fact, I don't used to call in every year and stay with us when he was out here, and he said, oh, the only broke in the world he knew that he'd retired and was happy. <laughs> and uh, that did keep me not wanting to go back.
1: Well, you're still enjoy Speedway, what have you thought about the way Speedway has changed over, what is it, the last 40 years?
2: Uh, I think it's evolved fantastically, especially in the last you know, few years. Uh, the one-off World Finals were, were great, but as I said, to get there was harder than winning it, um, and sometimes it's not the right person won it, but uh, the bloke on the night, yeah, they, you know, they all yeah, get me wrong. Everyone deserved the win who won it uh, because they won it on their, on their night. When I was in Gothenburg that night with Ivan and Ollie, Ollie, no one would have beat Ollie that night. He was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But how it's run today with the um, series going over eight, ten meetings over the year, the most consistent rider wins it. Um, it takes away the injury thing. It takes away a bad night. Um, I think it is absolutely fabulous, and the way they have the tracks now, uh, I think when they first started it, the tracks were a bit ordinary, some of them, especially their made tracks, but now they've got them down to a fine art, and that's a lot of thanks to Ollie Olsen for that. Um, the machinery, like three bikes and four in the pit crew, their letters and their sponsorship and the colours over the bike, and the bikes are beautiful. Gee, they're beautiful. That front suspension and the radio engines and the carburation, you know, the bikes are just, oh, I I'm looking in awe at them. I really do. They're just absolutely fabulous. Racing
1: is, is really great. You mentioned about having to stick the uh, newspapers down your leathers to protect you from the from the clay and the rocks. What do you think now we see uh, the innovations like the uh, protector on the back wheel to stop the rooster tails and little things like that, which probably make it more enjoyable for the fans and I can imagine makes the writing a bit closer.
2: It does. That's one of the best inventions they ever made was that back thing I think it was Barry Briggs who designed that and uh, it really made the racing a lot better because you don't get filled in as much. You still get filled in if it's really wet, but not as much as what we used to. The first lap, if you didn't make the start you you on a really wet night, you 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 almost had to pull up because you just got filled in straight away. We've also done a safety thing and lowered the back mudguard right down close to the wheel, which has helped a lot and also stops. Injuries. So Jason Crump got very badly hurt by his his arm went in the back wheel between the back wheel and the um, and the mudguard and the, and the motor was still wearing it full throttle and it burnt his arm pretty badly. Mm.
1: The other thing that changed uh, it was interesting when I was talking to you. You didn't race on the inside track at Liverpool, but of course there was controversy there where um, the FIM and uh, and Motorcycle Australia didn't want people racing on the inside track. You raced on concrete and wooden walls. The air fence must be something that you think, where was that when I was riding? Yeah, the air
2: fence is a terrific innovation. You know, for both road racing, like MotoGP and Speedway, um, it does make it a lot safer. Although I think in my era, racing around the showground with a concrete fence around the outside, never ever worries us. It, um, you know, the Sydney Showground I, mean, I had never had any fear of riding around the Sydney Showground. Um, it was just a fantastic track to ride on. And I think a lot of the crashes these those days didn't really involve the fence that much. And I think it's sort of about the, the first corners these days, uh, how close and how tight and how good the starts are and how good the bikes are getting to the first corner. The safety the air fence is such a big
1: safety factor. And the riders, is there, in your opinion, is there a big difference in their levels and abilities?
2: On the world stage, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, some of those have good nights and some of those have bad nights. And um, I, I think uh, the people that got in the world final are all pretty, pretty well of a good high standard. Uh, there's probably some, some riders who probably miss out who are. Uh, are really good. Um, I've seen Max Frickers in the World Championship this year. It's a bit of a shame taking him because of the COVID-19 that he doesn't provide in a full season with a good breaks in between three and three. Um, he's had to go and race two nights, and two nights in a row and two nights in a row and two nights in a row and two nights in a row, which is going to be pretty hard for a young bloke to go in there. Um, but it's the same for everybody. And um, I think Magic Janowski hit him on the head the other day where this year he's going very well and he said he's actually going to focus um, tunnel vision on the starts and not worrying about the blokes beside him and certainly worked for him on on Saturday.
1: Were you a particularly good gator?
2: Yeah, I think so. A pretty good starter. um, Like Ivan was and Gordon Gasco was. Um, Yeah, that sort of. um, yeah, it was, it was good on the starts, I think.
1: You have to be. <laughs> well, no one gives you an even break in any form of speedway, do they?
2: No, I can remember going to one of Greg Temple's first races over there when he came come over and he was riding at Cradley's Heath in the rain and I went down to see him and uh, see how he was getting on and uh, he was missing the starts. And I said, I've oh, got you've got to make the starts, mate. You've got to make the starts." He said, I oh, know, I like coming from the back. I said, well, you'll soon learn about that.
1: <laughs> Jim, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you here on the show and uh, thank you very much for your time on Inside Speedway.
2: Thanks, Craig, and uh, all good luck with your show. Very good. <laughs>
1: My thanks to Jim Airy there. Fantastic to have him on the show and fitting with the first two rounds of the Speedway Grand Prix. Now it's just eight days away till we see their move to Gorzo in Poland. So on the 11th and 12th, another... Well, they're double headering it all through the rest of the season, aren't they? Over in the United States, the world of outlaws has continued on and it was Sheldon Hortonchild... Who had a last corner win at US 36, and then Brad Sweet returned to the victory lane at I 80. So, Brad Sweet is leading the world of outlaws currently on 4,836 points, eight wins, and 25 top fives, 31 top tens out of 36 starts. So, Brad Sweet well up in the running there, and Logan Schuart is in second and uh, actually tied on points. Sweet ahead on wins. Five uh, wins for Shuhart. Donny Shots is 70 points back. Then it's Carson Macedo, 86 points back. The Australian speed car champion, Macedo. And Sheldon Hortonchild is 88 points back, rounding out the top five. As we look down, Kerry Madsen, who, of course, won the uh, 360s at Knoxville not so long ago now. Uh, He's sitting in 14th place. And the man who's been making all the news, Kyle Larson, is sitting back there in 17th. So... It's going to be interesting to see how the World of Outlaws continue on. Their next round coming up on this weekend is at Hussett Speedway. So uh, they'll have Hussett Speedway on the 5th and 6th of September and then Dodge City Raceway Park on the 11th and 12th. So great with the uh, World Series really putting on a, a great show, even under the... Uh, well, the COVID-19 restrictions that are happening right across the USA. Look, joining us once again on Inside Speedway, it's been a pleasure to have you. My thanks once again to Jim Airy. It was fantastic speaking to him. And uh, what a life of that, well, one of the greats of Australian Speedway. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
0: Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia. And by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.